views expressed on the following broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT, Take 12 Radio, or our affiliates. The opinions on this show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice and are those of the host, co-host, and guest. Take 12 Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting are not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Welcome to Entitled to Overcome, exploring solutions for life today. A presentation of Take 12 Recovery Radio. And now, here are your co-hosts, Dave Fleming and the Monty Man. You are entitled to overcome. And today we have some solutions for life on this very day. Dave Fleming is in the house. What's up? Hello, Dave. Wave to all those YouTubers out there. Yes. So if uh, you would like to watch the show, all you got to do is visit us at Take, uh, excuse me. Well, you can do that too. Take12radio.com and click on the YouTube link there. Uh, or you can subscribe on our YouTube channel at uh, youtube.com uh, forward slash Monty Meyer, M O N T Y M E Y E R. Brain fart. I, 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 for, I don't know what my name is. Uh, welcome to Entitled to Overcome Solutions for Life Today. And with uh, a CADC Level 2, Mr. Dave Fleming, and affectionately known as VID, uh, we're going to be talking about acknowledging our emotions today. Mm. Ah, yes. I don't, I, don't did I, I didn't see that in the title. Yeah, well, it's actually called Weeping and Laughing. Um. And, and the first paragraph says, traditionally, men have uh, been brought up to be emotional, uh, not, not to, be. to not to be emotional. Did you grow up that way? Not not to be emotional. Big boys don't cry. That kind of uh, thing. I guess it was uh, the uh, the tagline was uh, children should be seen and not and heard. not heard. Yeah. Well, the message received by most boys is that real men don't cry. But King Solomon reminds us that we need to acknowledge our emotions. Sometimes we need to weep and sometimes we need to laugh. Dancing and mourning are all part of the human existence. But a lot of people stuff it, right? All the time. Cram it down there, man. Don't. Not only do you not let them see you sweat, you don't let them see you feel. Well, unless it's, you know. Well... <laughs> protective right distorted right. thoughts distorted emotions nowadays though we're all about feelings right everything's f word everything's yeah the f word everything's feeling based uh so we're going to be talking uh about that and of course i think i hear the clicking of the clock now uh-huh That's right. <laughs> Always making a mess. Yes, it is. It is a little messy around here. Well, uh, we've got we've got two icebreakers. This one, uh, well, there, there's no doubt that this criminal Albert Bailey is one of the world's dumbest. Uh, this man and his partner plan to accomplish a mission that was for a bank robbery. Now, listen, you, you know we have. 
all sorts of instant gratification type things going on in our life. We can drive up to a, 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 like a coffee place, right, and get your coffee. Just never get out of your car. Uh, we got drive through for we, well, we have drive through banks. We have drive through uh, pharmacies. We have drive through restaurant. I mean, all this stuff. Everything's instant, instant. Um, with uh, what is it? Uber Eats and some of these others. You can call in not only just for food, but you can actually call in your drugs um, and have everything delivered to you. Well, evidently, this guy and his buddy thought that they would pick up the phone as well. This man, his partner, um, in this case, uh, didn't seem to plan anything. They just kind of did this on a whim. But what did they do? Well, these two robbers called the bank before they entered it and informed the bank management that they were on their way to rob it. They called ahead. To have the money ready for them? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, This incident took place in Connecticut. Makes sense. And according to these thieves... They warned the bank, so they should have had the money ready. Right. I mean, come What's on. With that, you know, um, with perfectly a, logical. <laughs> with a uh, with a sensible mind of these two talented robbers, uh, after a few minutes, uh, Bailey sent his partner into the bank with a note to tell them we're the guys that called ahead. Where's our money? Well, it ended up giving getting them a nine year prison sentence. Um. I, I just can't imagine how somebody would think that would work. <laughs> Watching too much TV, I think. Well, smoking too much. Something, man. Something. something. Uh, well, this one comes um, from the archives of the dumbest criminals. Uh, this bank robber entered a bank and pulled a gun on the bank teller. With a gun in one hand and a bag in the other, so far sounds like a basic bank robbery, right? Yeah. He instructed the teller to hand over $700,000 in cash. But instead of giving her the empty bag, he gave her the gun by mistake. (laughs) Here, hold this. (laughs) Well, the robber quickly realized his mistake, but it was too late. Unlike the robber, the teller was in full presence of mind, and she took full advantage of the situation and pointed the gun straight at the robber's face. Uh, the robber ran away without any money, uh, but even then he was not empty-handed as he pedaled off on an employee's bicycle. There was no report of the robber being arrested, so evidently he he got away. <laughs> He's up one bicycle. I'm, I'm like... I can't, I, I'm I'm that nervous. I'm going to give you the gun instead of the bag. I just listen. You don't have any business robbing a bank if you're that stupid. Why well, you don't have any business robbing a bank anyway? But my mama used to say, if you're going to break the law, do it properly. Right. I mean, it just just shows you what <laughs> what our society's gotten to. Well, there we go. Uh, that does it for the icebreaker for this uh, for this show. Mm. Aha! All right. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. (laughs) 
Hey everybody, check it out. It's the Monty Man from Take 12 Recovery Radio. And I am so excited to be welcoming Dr. Rob Kelly to the Take 12 Recovery Radio family for his show, The Rob Kelly Hour. Listen, Dr. Kelly has worked with thousands of people, including celebrities of film, music, and sports. And he has lectured at many high-profile universities and hospitals. And now, this world-renowned addiction specialist, well, he's coming to Take 12 Recovery Radio. So mark your calendars for Monday, March 22nd, for the debut show of the Rob Kelly Hour right here at Take12Radio.com and all major podcasting platforms. It's the Rob Kelly Hour. Hey, check it out. You can now access all of our shows from a variety of podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, Podomatic, and Player FM. Simply search for Take 12 Recovery Radio and you'll be tuned into the best in recovery broadcast journalism. Also available at Take12Radio.com. Well, welcome back. You've been tuned into Take 12 Recovery Radio's entitled to overcome solutions for life today. Uh, home of Cecil the Golden Gnome. There he is. There he is. He saw the golden gnome. We melt him down. (laughs) Gold plated. Solid gold, baby. That thing is solid gold. And it's so heavy, I can't even lift it. What's gold going for an ounce now? I I don't know. They say silver is going to overtake gold. What do you think? I got seven ounces of it. Do you? Locked up. You have seven s- ounces of what, Dave? Lexus locked up in the safe. <laughs> I don't know about this gold thing. You know, Dave Ramsey is, says don't do that. But I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I just think we ought to print our own money with our own face on it. What do you think? Yeah, probably is not going to be helpful. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Well, I can tell you some stories, but this isn't the time or the place for well, all that. No, but there is a time and a place for everything, right? According to Ecclesiastes, a time to weep and a time to uh, laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, right? And so uh, do, you, do you have the reading there in front of you? I do, but I feel like weeping. Do, <laughs> there's a story in here about a guy named Harry. It's been one of those days. Dave's had a rough one, everybody. Let's see here. Uh, should I read the part about Harry? We'll just give Dave up. There you go. Gee, thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, read Harry's story. Yeah, at least give me a tissue. <laughs> or call the ambulance. Uh, Harry was so out of touch with his emotions that it drove most... Important people in his world away from him. He was like a crying baby trapped behind thick prison walls, and he couldn't even let those tears out to save his marriage. Harry and Marge had been coming to counseling, but Harry would never open up. The day he came home to find their house empty, he called for an emergency session. 
When he finally let out what he was feeling inside, he cried like a baby for five minutes. Those tears were the beginning of changing his marriage into an intimate bond that both he and his wife needed. We serve a God who is emotional. We were created in his image as emotional beings. If we buy into the belief that real men don't cry, we must lock up an important part of ourselves. God, give me the strength to be honest with my emotions. So what was Harry's problem? I mean, obviously, he was holding back from expressing what was really going on in him for a long time. I mean, it had to be a long time, right? Because, I mean, he comes home and the little woman's gone. That doesn't happen just overnight. Well, uh, you know, the first part of that's that reading that you read earlier, it, it basically goes back to what are traditionally what are men taught. Yeah. Right? Don't cry. Suck it up. If you're a man, you're not going to show your emotions. Right. right. Pull up, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and mm-hmm. go get her done. Have have we flipped, though? Have we gone too far the other way yeah, these days? Yeah, I think so. My wife talks about how they, they, they've they got to be putting something in the water because it's right? like... Chemtrails. Yeah. People, well, that too. Yeah. <laughs> People are just acting they just very have odd. gone way over the other side. Yeah. So so now we're gone we've gone from nothing's going to offend me, nothing's going to pierce my heart, nothing's going to get in because I'm a man to flipping the other way to where every little thing we get microaggressions and all these things. If you look at me just a little bit off it makes me uncomfortable i'm gonna sue you i mean it is just bizarre so there's got to be a balance in here somewhere that is healthy right yeah yeah well you know that's unfortunately there's not a class that they teach or there's no like manual operator Mm -hmm. manual that we get when we're right when we're born when we're you know we uh Start becoming men, or even before that, or parents. There's got to be some kind of a, some kind of a manual that we should get at somewhere along the line. Yeah, because everything has gone way over the the other direction now. Men are becoming women, and women are becoming men. And many people are confused; they have no idea what they are, and they're being told that that's okay. It's okay to be completely confused. It's okay. We're not going to, in fact, we're not even, did you, I heard this the other day, I could not believe it. I, I, I can believe it because things have gotten so weird. Um, and this does have a lot to do with recovery and sobriety because when, when things come at us that knock us off our emotional center of gravity, right, then it can be very difficult, especially for somebody new in recovery to get back up on, on the emotional beam properly. And, um, there is some educational uh, organizations, let's put it that way, that are teaching our kids not to refer to their parents as mom and dad. You're not even supposed to refer to mom as mom or dad as dad because that's assigning gender to your parents and you have no right to do that. Stop. I am like, are you kidding me? Just stop. Yeah. Really? Yep. Yep. 
Uh, there's a special island out there for those people. Yeah. Yeah. So we are really messing with people's psyche. We are messing with their self-esteem and, and, and their emotional issues. We are... We, <laughs> It's like throwing a, a bag of rattlesnakes in, into the into the crib with your kids and saying, good luck, you know. And so what do we do? I mean, uh, if there's a time to weep and a time to laugh and a time to mourn, but people aren't permitting us to even have healthy emotions because, by golly, if you have a healthy emotion, that's very offensive to me. What's a healthy emotion? That's what I'm – yeah. Who, who, who's, who's dictating what that is? Right. You know, we can't do it biblically because oh, now we have religion. Don't even get me What do we do, Dave? Don't get me started. <laughs> How do we help people like Harry in this story that has been stuffing his feelings so much in a world that says, you know, stuff it or let it bleed over everybody without caring about anybody else and, and there's no balance? What do we tell Harry? Well, it sounds like Harry started sharing his feelings. Yeah. I think that's what taking those baby steps, finding someone safe, mm -hmm. and start sharing. Actually, we talked about that today. Uh, someone talked about how they are seeing all of these things change in their life. And I said, do you think it's because you started uh, talking about your secrets? You started opening up. Right. And he basically said, yeah, I think that I think that has a lot to do with it. Because secrets can kill, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's usually the person that's holding the secrets that it does the most damage to. Right. Do you, do you find in your line of work as a certified alcohol and drug counselor, do you, do you find that the experience – that most people have that begin to open up uh, about their emotions that a great deal of what they suspected would happen if they did just doesn't happen and that it's okay? I wouldn't say most because there are a good number of people that just kind of open up to anybody and everybody. Too much. Too much. Yeah. Right? You get into a spot where... Uh, a lot what happens is you get people that are used to not trusting anybody, keeping everything stuffed inside, mm -hmm. uh, not willing, you know, knowing that if they say anything or talk about anything emotional or, you know, things like that, they get shut down or they get knocked down. So you got a physical uh, or emotional abuse that goes along with it. So then they just learn that. If I open my mouth, then bad things happen. So they get in a place where they maybe get in a place around some people they, they feel that they can open up. And um, it's they basically verbally puke on everyone. I guess that's the best way I can describe it. So it's like it's it's like the, the dam breaks open. Right. Yeah. Because they've got all this stuff that's built up and they've had nobody – to talk to or nobody that they feel safe. Nobody like is even listening or cares or that's the way they feel. So they keep it all stuffed inside. And so I think <clears throat> when I say not most, because you've got to be careful on who you, you start opening up to. You got to make sure it's a safe environment. I would take baby steps. 
Start mm-hmm. with the small stuff that doesn't isn't that big of a deal. Right. Um, and I would have a mentor or spiritual advisor or counselor or something to help guide you uh, down that path. That yeah. makes sense. Um, because again, that can, it can, it can turn negative. And, and in fact, in, even in, in the fifth step in our 12 step fellowships, when it talks about admitted to God, ourselves and another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs, uh, it emphasizes sharing these things with somebody who's closed mouth. You know, and of course, back when it was written, the most common thing would be go, to go to a priest, a rabbi, or a pastor. Yeah, I know. totally. I still. Yeah, I still. Uh, that's still my philosophy, because I, people aren't going to share the stuff that one they think someone's going to blab about. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's no you can you can say you know you have anonymity, right? What said your stays here, but if they ain't bound by by law, there's no all bets are off, which is yeah. I mean, yeah, you talk about old school. Old school. When I think old school, would be mean to me. Uh, it, to me, it felt like people had integrity. Right. Sure. There was some kind of morals and values and integrity. There was a moral compass that was followed. Right. Yeah. And. Now I think that like everything's in the world that everything is okay. Uh, I think that people have not learned to to have filters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're gonna, I, I would say if someone's gonna start sharing those those secrets, is that they find somebody that they can trust that, you know, yeah, uh, is bound by confidentiality by law, right? Uh. Some people may agree or not agree, but I think that personally, I would rather err on the side of caution so that I start feeling comfortable with that. Sure. Before I start, you know, going out and just telling everybody. So as as somebody who has listened to people bleed all over you as a counselor, as a professional counselor, um, how does that affect you because there's people listening to this show that are CADCs that are licensed professionals um, and, and I've gotten emails before you know man I'm just exhausted I mean that people stuff I mean how does that affect Dave well I gotta have you know you gotta for me I gotta have a uh, balance in my life and I gotta be able to separate you know work from from my personal yeah. life uh, the best I can uh, there are some days when I, when you're just um, you can tell uh, I can tell I'm emotionally drained, mm-hmm. and so <clears throat> what I've learned along the way is to go make sure that I'm doing something that's going to pull me out of out of that uh, out of that process. And so I'll I'll start with just like even on the way home I'll just start praying, mm-hmm. just, you know, just a simple prayer, um, and then I you know I get myself into something where I'm either reading, listening to music or, you know, even watching some show on TV, kind of like flipping that switch where I just turn off yeah, the, you know, early part of the day and then, uh, and process. Sometimes I journal. Um, it's always good as a professional to have your own, um, you know, there's a, 
therapist for therapist kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, a good place to have or, you know, or sponsor or somebody, sure. spiritual advisor, uh, somebody that you can talk to th- about things that uh, maybe get you stuck. Sure. Um, and, and not look for it in your own profession in the sense of what I, what I mean by that is right. a lot a lot of professionals think because they're working all day in the field that 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 will supply the spiritual and a recovery needs that they need when in fact you need to have your own that's right. away from from the profession. Yeah, because yeah. what happens sometimes is you start your your own stuff starts bleeding over. Yeah, in, into things, and then you you can cross some lines there that is not healthy. So there there's there's people that have been stuffing all the negative and all the bad and all the the trauma and and for whatever reason, and they've been shoving it down year after year after year. Um, but what about what about the good stuff? Like like in Ecclesiastes, a time to weep, a time to mourn, a time to laugh, a time to dance. Um, do you find that that there are folks that they find it very difficult to give themselves permission to have fun, to laugh, to dance, to be joyful? Well, yeah. I mean, get you get to a point, I think, in your addiction or your secrets or your trauma or you know fill in the blank negativity um, that you almost you forget, like mm. you don't even know how. Like mm-hmm. the only the thing that people relate that fall back into is their addiction because mm-hmm. i know you get that instant gratification i can take a smoke a drink a shot whatever yeah right to get that instantaneous you know i can either feel or not feel depending on my driven choice um so yeah you almost have to give yourself you have to give yourself permission and so there's you know one of the things that i tools that i use i use for i use uh, for myself in the beginning and I share with others is, you know, we've, we've talked about this before is like the only thing you have to change is everything. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But it, it's not just getting rid of the negative stuff that's impacted your life. It's also putting positive things into your life. You know, we've all got something positive that we've done. Right. Right. Uh, some activity, some hobby, something uh, that we stopped doing because of our addiction or our codependency or, you know, whatever. Something we enjoyed that Behavior. Yeah, we've something lost we enjoyed. Interest in. Or there's yeah. things that we've always wanted to try and we we haven't really followed through with it because of the same, mm. you know, same issues that I just described. And so um, I encourage people to, to look into that, you know, find stuff that you enjoy doing. Uh, get back to doing the things that you've loved uh, as long as they're healthy and you know legal um and find some new things stretch yourself cuz we don't i mean most of the time the, the one of the biggest things that i find with people <clears throat> that i work with in this field is they don't really know who they are you mean colleagues or are the people well, you're counseling it's more uh, it's more clients, but uh-huh. there are even cl- colleagues that are in that sure. same boat. But uh, clients, especially, especially you, you get rid of the addiction and the or the behaviors, and you're like, what now? What? Because their identity was in that, right? Well, they don't. They've never even figured out who they were in the first place. Sure. 
right? Because we always get you know, we always get people telling us like what we can do, what we can't do, or on the you know you get the, the extremes like you can do anything you want to do, or you know you can't you know you can't do that, mm-hmm. right? You you mm-hmm. you're you're worthless or whatever. So we get this you know positive and negative thing extremes on both ends, and we just now a lot of times I navigate through. Uh, through whatever your life experience is up to that point without trying new things. So people get back into that old behavior, right? We talk about insanity, doing the same thing over, expecting a different right, result. Right. It's the same thing happens in, in into our life experiences. We get back into doing the same things that we're told we're good at or we're not good at. And so we just go into this revolving door. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been, you know, I've done construction for 20 years and I know I could make good money, right? So now I'm sober. I got all these bills to pay. I got, you know, family to take care of, whatever. So I might as well go back into construction because, uh, you know, maybe I'm good at it, right? But the problem is, is a lot of people, you know, uh, go back to the same old uh, places that they were before. And oftentimes uh, there's drugs involved. Sure. Right? Drugs yeah. and alcohol involved. Because there's a lot of work environments that actually welcome yep. That I mean, I worked hard all day. You know, I deserve yeah. to have a beer or smoke or a shot. Yeah. So right. guys that work in forestry, uh, you know, we we know a few that one guy I'm thinking of right now. He has come to the place where he realizes, at least in this area, in this region of the world, he can't go back to working, falling trees, and doing all that because every time he does, it's the same group of people. It's the same. You know, it's it's the barrel of booze after work, and he, he can't go back. Yep. So he's finding a new career. That's a hard pill to swallow, right? Well, it, it is, but it, it's a harder pill to, to swallow that we go back to our addiction because we're not willing to yeah. make the changes in our life necessary to have a new, a new uh, healthy, happy life. Sure. So the things that I try to share with people is, like, let's look at, like, what your talents and gifts are. Right. Mm-hmm. Just because you're, you know, you're, you're, you're in a whatever faith based program or you're, in, you know, involved with a, a Christian program. Now, all of a sudden you want to be a Christian counselor. Or you want to be a pastor. Right. Or, you want to work in, you know, in that field. Well, that may not mess might not, excuse me, might not be your calling or your gifting just because you're there and it feels good in the moment. Yeah. Uh, same thing happens when people get out when they're in treatment, right? You get out of treatment, you get that big pink cloud. I'm going to be a counselor now, right? I, mm-hmm. I did the same thing the first time I went through residential. I was like, oh, psh, that, that's easy. I can do that. I'm going to go be a counselor, yeah. right? And yeah. then I went back went back to my addiction for a while. But we have to look at, like, what are our talents and gifts? And if we don't know what they are, think about what you always love to do and what you've been good at. And if there's things that if you don't know, but you always want to try stuff, you know, go do those things. Try them. Mm -hmm. What does it hurt? Mm -hmm. Um, They have, uh, uh, what is it, Myers-Briggs personality test. You can find them online. You can take these quick little. Yeah, I was just thinking of Right. I I took one uh, years ago when I was going to Bible college called the Taylor Johnson's Temperament Analysis Test. That's similar. And, and you know, it's all about finding your giftings, what areas do you excel at? And what I discovered you, things about myself. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. What personality type you are, like what are you right. introvert, extrovert, 
sometimes you find out that you think you're an extrovert and you're actually an introvert mm-hmm. or, or vice versa. And so, and then what, it, uh, the one that I look at, it also gives you like people in history that you, that are the same, um, careers that you may be good at with that type of personality. Yeah. So there's all kinds of different avenues that you can take and look at different things and test things out. Now, of course, you're going to have to come to a place in your in your sobriety to where if you're around certain things, if that happens to come up, you're still going to be okay. Um, right. You know, because that, that can come out of nowhere sometimes, right? And I, I remember I was, it was my first vacation after I was, had been working in a faith-based program and I had been sober for about two years and I had some money in my pocket. I went to the Saturday market and the dope man come walking around the corner. Well, the program I had gone through really did not at that time address substance use disorder. It was more your, your, your spiritual condition only. There was nothing about the brain or any of that stuff. Yeah. So I didn't have the tools. So when the dope man come walking around the corner, it was a done deal, you know? Um, and, and so it, it totally took me off guard and I realized how powerless I was and that I actually hadn't been depending on a power greater than myself. I just, I believed in one, yeah. but I actually hadn't depended on it. So it could come out of nowhere and surprise you. So you have to get to a point, I think in your recovery where, where you, you actually have the tools that if on occasion that should happen, you're going to be okay, you know, because it's all around you. Oh, yeah, you can't get away from it. I know I, the, as you're talking, this reminded me of uh, an experience that I had because I, you know, I was in the music business for a while and, and, the, uh, and I was doing production work and things like that. And so we go to a lot of shows and, and I mean, uh, my kids, you know, their first concert was when they were when they were just little. Right, it was a Spice Girls concert, and uh, so concerts were our thing. Well, after I got sober, I, you know, I had this. There's this thing that happened to me where I, it's like I, I could almost sense whether the music or the lyrics or whatever was good or evil, or at least what was, you know, was putting good things into my spirit. Yeah, and so I just chose to change to change all of the music. In the the movies and TV shows and everything that I was putting in, you know, I was watching or listening to, uh, I changed because I wanted to make sure that I was feeding my spirit with something positive. And after, uh, I don't even, probably two or three years, maybe four years, it would have had to have been four years or after, uh, we went to a concert uh, and it was really strange because usually I, you know, normally I go and I probably drink a pint of whatever before I go even go walk, get out right. of the car. Yep. And then, you know, there's a, the, the bar, um, before you go into your seat. So I, you know, I'd, I'd probably get a drink before I went and sat down or when I went to use the restroom, I'd stop at the bar and get a drink. And then sometimes even on the way back, mm-hmm. I'd stop again mm-hmm. uh, and get another drink. Well, I realized when I went there that I'm walking, I walked by the bar and I just, you know, you think about people talk about the, having the the thoughts or the cravings or the urges and all that. Mm -hmm. It's like, I didn't have like the, the urge or the craving to drink, but 
I could feel in my body that, you know, my, my head was, I was having like these anxiety attack and my heart was racing and I was getting all hot and sweaty. And, you know, it was because my brain, right. My brain was actually getting drunk. Mm. Yeah. Right? We do, yeah. we look at the science and, you know, they've done studies on this and, and then when I was in treatment, they had us watch this one video that actually showed, you know, these addicts going by even the places that they used to use yeah, or yeah. drink. These are guys that have been sober. Scan right? their brain yeah. and the same parts of the brain would fire up. Would off. fire up, yeah. And so <clears throat> it was uh, it was quite the eye-opening experience, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, when, you know, once I went and uh, sat back down and after about 20 minutes, I felt normal again. <laughs> but it was just one of those weird things that, you know, uh, you hear about, you talk about, but when it, until it actually, until you actually experience it. Yeah. It's different. So let, let's, let's talk a minute about uh, folks that have been clean and or sober uh, have been in a program uh, or a fellowship of recovery for a long time. And I'm talking three years plus, okay. three years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, right? And, and uh, you know, maybe God has removed the obsession and they've actually experienced a state of recovered. And something happens. Uh, they refer to it as strange mental blank spots. Something happens and they start feeling that tug again. And it's not necessarily an obsession, but it comes out of nowhere and they feel like picking up a drink. Uh, or they feel like using a syringe again. It just comes out of, out of nowhere after years of sobriety. And they're scared to death to tell anybody that they're feeling this way because don't you know I should not be feeling this way after this many years, right? And so they don't say anything. They don't acknowledge their emotional state in this area at all, and they end up relapsing. So what what do we say to those folks that are, because there, there's, I guarantee you, with the amount of people who listen to this show, there's probably people that are listening that have some long-term sobriety and are feeling like going back out for whatever reason. You know, what, what do you tell them, Dave? Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Some Bob Newhart. Yeah. Counseling. Just just stop just it. Just stop it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sitting here listening to you talk and thinking, well, first of all, you you don't do what you just described. You do the opposite, right? Right. You start talking about it. I, I mean, I don't know how many meetings I've been to where someone will stop showing up. Yeah, and then you run into them. You're like, "What? Where you been? Mm -hmm. Oh, I had a, I had a slip or I had a relapse, and then they and vanished. I didn't want to go back because I felt embarrassed and, da, 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 and I was like, you know, a leader or whatever, and I did all this and da, da 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 da, and I said, well, you know, the most important thing is that if you're going to share your experience, experience, strength, and hope, no matter where you're at and on the scale, you need to go back. You need to talk about it mm -hmm. because not only you're going to help yourself, but you're going to help the next person that's sitting in the chair next to you or across from you that's feeling the exact same way that you are right now or were a week ago. Mm -hmm. And so that is our most powerful tool. 
if we keep things a secret, it, inevitably, and I don't, it doesn't even matter if you're even in recovery or not. If we keep our secrets secret and we keep things stuffed down, our life is not going to be, our quality of life isn't going to be very good. Yeah. And I, and I, I think, I think, I think it's very helpful. And this is people in long-term abstinence. What they tend to do that I've experienced is they tend not to be accountable anymore. They've, they've gone on for so many years without picking up. They don't have a sponsor anymore. They don't have a spiritual advisor anymore. They're, they're, they're engulfed in healthy living. They're doing all these things. And then this thing comes out of nowhere. Well, are and, they living in, are they doing healthy living if they don't have those things? Well, to, to an extent, maybe that maybe they're exercising and they're eating right. And they're, but they've, that they've lost the connection with the recovery community. And so they don't have anybody, they don't, they don't have anybody to open up to because they're the ones that cut the ties and by just not going anymore, just not keeping in contact anymore. Well, I mean, the thing is, is you you say healthy, they're living a healthy life. Uh, I mean, other other than that, every but other not, aspect. right? If we're thinking about it from this perspective of... No, they're not. Taking they're not. care of ourselves, right? Because even if you just stop going to recovery meetings after 15 years or whatever, right? right? If you've doing something healthy, right, you've right. replaced that with friends that you're able to talk to yeah right maybe you're involved with a church and maybe you're even on you're even part of a worship team or you're part of that community and you have people that you trust that you can talk to there because it's like if you, i mean that's what i think of when i think of healthy and you're still not you're not plugged in the recovery community because you've replaced that with something else sure but what i'm saying is they think they're living a healthy life right. because they, they're doing these other things they never did before they're doing pilates and they're doing they're joining the y and you know they're doing but they're not they're they're not making a personal connection with anybody it's very surface right and they think they're doing better but in fact it's a facade isn't it they really aren't well they're Part of their life is better. Part of it is, but not the whole. Right. Um, and and I, it's like a three-legged stool with two legs. The the deal of it is, I I need I need to have some accountability in my life from people that are like me, right? That have struggled with addiction issues, that have come out the other side, that are living free from the obsession. Um, and that have has some sort of a semblance of what it means to to practice these tools of recovery. And there's a lot of people in my church they just don't have that experience. Right. You know. So that's why I think it's important to continue in some sort of contact with the recovery community, however small. Right. And it it depends on your circumstances. Obviously, you know, the church that I went to, three quarters of the church was in recovery, including the pastor. <laughs> or the you know recovered yeah and so yeah most of most of the my friends from that church um are recovered yeah or in recovery so, so they get it they understand right and so if you were to say man i'm feeling squirrely they they go yeah i get that they're not looking at you sideways like what <laughs> <laughs> squirrely <laughs> that's not squirrely 
<clears throat> so, you know, in, in the case of, of our, our friend in this story, Harry, he'd been shoving this stuff down for so long. His, his wife actually left that he comes home and the house is empty. You know, uh, don't wait till your house is empty. Right, Dave? <laughs> right. Well, and I think, you know, sometimes we get in, and, I, and I'm just talking from my own personal experience, that we get in, a, we get in this, this mode in our thought process, you know, before we change. Uh, you know, I used to, um, if everybody would just change, mm-hmm. everything would be fine, mm-hmm. right? Or if everybody would just do things my way. Sure. And so, I, I mean, I even, you know, put that into practice in my life. And, you know, I had that conversation with my wife one time. She's like, oh, yeah, can we can we go for a drive? And I'm like, oh, here it comes, right? <laughs> so we go, you know, we go park in this parking lot and have a conversation. And she's basically saying, I think you should move out. And I'm like, cool, see ya. Because I already had that plan in my brain. But she didn't want me to move out. She wanted me to... To, to fight and say mm. why you know what you know what what should right. I do or you know da, 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 da. Uh, she expected me to fight we had that conversation later on we talked about that but yeah I was at the point where at that in that moment that I thought the best thing for me to do uh, was to leave because everyone else was way sicker than I was and things weren't going to change and if you know, I, I come to find out later on that, you know, probably 75% of it was on me. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's, I, I realized that and we, we went back, we got back together. It was like, you know, there was things that I had to work on for me. And, and then we had to work on things as a, you know, as a, as a, as a couple and as a family. So, but I had to change my way of thinking. And there it is. We have to change the way we think. Let, let's flip it. Let's flip it for a minute and talk and talk about because we're almost out of time. But let's talk about the person on the other side of the fence here that is receiving the 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 other person being real about their emotions, and they make the statement, "Well, you shouldn't feel like that. Look at all the wonderful things in your life. Stop feeling that way." Yeah, I think that's one of the most ludicrous things you can tell somebody, you know, well, you shouldn't be angry. You shouldn't feel, you know, because the, the fact of the matter is they are angry and they do feel that way. Right. And, and that's just kind of blowing them off. Right. Uh, what that's do you say like, to that person? That's like uh, telling an alcoholic, why don't you just stop? Yeah. Just just put the plug in the jug and and quit. Why can't you just stop? Yeah. Just stop it. If you know it's wrong, just stop. Yeah. Okay. I but if I could have, I would have. You knucklehead. Well, and I think it goes a lot deeper. I think it goes into even what we're talking about is like having that stuff stuffed down and not mm-hmm. having someone that's safe to talk talk to about it. Um, well, there's a couple of things, you know, in that scenario you, you just kind of described is we either need to, you know, learn some communication skills and talk to that person and and just you know learn some assertive skills and just say hey i appreciate if you didn't you know belittle or minimize um what i'm saying because what i feel is what i feel i can't yeah you know 
It's like saying, you know, you shouldn't put shoes on as you walk across broken glass because if you just use your mind to think... This isn't hurting. This isn't hurting. That I'm walking yeah. on sand. Right. Right? Yeah, Why can't you just do that? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, what's wrong with you? Why can't you just do that? I mean, I, I can do it. Or, you know, people do the walk across the coals, right? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, you know, it, it probably goes back to, and that usually doesn't happen until you start talking with people that are safe in the first place. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. So we need we need to be, our feelings to be validated. It doesn't mean that a person has to uh, buy into what we're saying or or right. accept it from it, but to have some sort of dignity about you that that you respect the other person what they're going through, even if you don't get it, and, and maybe you can point them to somebody that would. But just belittling them and saying, "Well, how old are you anyway? Grow up." I mean, you know, yeah, that's. Yeah. It's not helpful. Because there's that mindset from people. Well, you know, when I was, when I grew up, mm-hmm. my father didn't put up with this stuff and blah, yeah. blah, blah. It, 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 come on. Suck it up. I had to walk to school. Right. Both ways uphill, barefoot, <laughs> three feet of snow. Right. <laughs> I did walk to school. Well, I think, you know, and, and this is a kind of a touchy subject for some people and it keeps them stuck in their addiction or it keeps them stuck keeps them from actually changing and asking for help and i think this mindset has to change across the board not just for people that are in recovery you know but everybody anybody and everybody that's gone through anything any of life Mm -hmm. life's traumas we have to you know be have care and concern and and uh empathy for everyone Right. Yeah. yeah. No matter yeah. what their their cir- circumstances right. are, because uh, I know even professionals uh, can get into the same mindset, or people that you know, uh, really anybody. Right. If it isn't something, even people that have gone through struggles before, they can get into to the mindset that you know I've been doing this so well for so long. Right. That you know. It becomes easy and we yeah. forget where we come from and then so then when somebody else comes along we say well you should you know how hard can that be sure right right sometimes we say that and then we got to catch ourselves and go oh wait a minute here. we forget from whence we came right much of the time yeah. or you know we forget that encouragement is a huge part of of people uh, opening up and and sharing their struggles because you know even in the conversations that we have before they get to that point where they're going to open up to us uh they're sharing things that we need to validate and encourage them because mm-hmm. without that they're not going to you know i'm not going to open up to somebody that i don't feel is safe that i that is going to show care and concern yeah on the little stuff yeah right? sure Mm-hmm. These are my accomplishments today. I feel good because I had this great week and I was able to visit my family, blah, 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 blah. Um, or I, you know, I, I did this, all this great work uh, today and all I got was griped at. Right. No one said, good job. Thanks for your help. And I think that we got to remember that we need to encourage each other. Amen to that. Amen to that. Well, we are out of time and, uh, 
if you want to download this show for fun and for free, uh, I would recommend you go to take12radio.com and follow us on Podomatic. When you do that, you can download all these shows, the archive shows, uh, for free. Of course, you can uh, you can subscribe to any of our shows on all major podcasting platforms, all accessible at take12radio.com as well. And uh, this next Monday is the debut show of the Rob Kelly Hour. Rob Kelly is uh, the addiction doctor, and he's going to be joining us once a month, the fourth Monday of the month, uh, and going to be bringing controversial topics, I'm sure. He doesn't miss around, that guy. Uh, so be looking uh, forward to that. Acknowledging your emotions. Do you have emotions that you need to maybe acknowledge yourself and admit to yourself you're feeling that way? It's okay. It's okay to cry. It's okay to, you know, I mean, our friend Dr. Berger talks about emotional sobriety. He says, don't not be angry, but learn how to not allow it to dictate your behavior. But if you're angry, you're angry. If you're sad, you're sad. You don't want to deny yourself these feelings. Um, but the, 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 the truth is, the tools that we need to learn on how to not allow these things to dictate our lives start with acknowledging that they're real and that they do exist. So you don't want to end up like Harry and come home and have an empty house. <laughs> All right. All right. Our closing song is uh, by our brand new friend, uh, recovery recording artist, Mike O'Brien. Uh, it is entitled Someday, Somehow. Someday I will find the answer So far Someday hasn't come But that's alright with me I don't really need to know Somehow I get through the hard times But God knows I've had a fine time too All of my life it's always been that way I see it through Tomorrow, no doubt, somewhere I will go. Wherever that may be, that's where you'll find me for sure. Yes, yeah, someday I will find the answer. So far, someday hasn't come. It's all right with me I don't really need I don't really need to know 
The recovery music of Mr. Mike O'Brien. Visit his website at mikeobrien.com. That's M-I-K-E-B-R-Y-A-N.com. Hey, listen, for more great recovery talk radio and recovery music, visit our website at take12radio.com. Click on the recovery music banner, the recovery workshop banner. Of course, we have great recovery resources as well. And you can download our shows on all major podcasting platforms directly from Take12Radio.com. Until next time, this is the Monty Man along with Dave Fleming reminding you that because of God's great love, you are entitled to overcome. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.